We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome in to the Rotowire NFL podcast. John McKechnie and Mario Puig hanging out with you. Mario, big personal news for me. What is that? I changed my Twitter profile picture yesterday. Oh, and right. You didn't even like it. Uh, sorry, I saw. I saw <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't realize you were mad today either. Uh, I I saw that and meant to get back. I saw it only in the um, like what other people because uh, like I saw Clay and uh, somebody else clicked on it and I meant to get to it. I was distracted for some reason. I actually meant to. Like, you know, I'm not lying about this because I also meant to reply to it like, you know, those are three llamas <laughs> or, or like, which one is you? Yeah. Though? Something like that. At which uh, I would so have tackled. I, now I can't really do it. Um, but, you know, that's what I would have done if I had remembered. John, which one is you? Can't find you. But yeah, it is a picture. I thought uh, people you. made these photos of themselves. What is this? Why is these? <laughs> why are these animals here? You know that kind of genre yeah i mean it was it was tough to move off the geno atkins picture but then i kind of realized that picture is like almost that was geno atkins yeah for some reason i thought that was ben watson uh Uh, i mean you're you're definitely in the right ballpark right yeah yeah. just ran into him uh in athens after georgia like whooped tennessee my senior year of college and i was like geno 
He's like, yeah. <laughs> just nice. talked for a second, got a picture. He told me that Logan Mankins was the toughest guy he's ever gone against. Hmm. Pretty neat. That is noteworthy. I, I knew Mankins was good, but if, if Gino saying and Mankins was like six six two, he must have been like got a handicap going against because uh, because Gino's only like six one or yeah, something it like gets that. Right under him. So yeah, that's uh, that's crazy. And I didn't mention Ben Watson as like a uh, as like a, a segue, like a, del- a a deliberate calculated segue into uh, the Patriots apparently bringing him back. Ben Watson's no- in the news. So yeah, uh, Ben Watson, uh, John's who I thought was John's friend. It's actually just Gino Atkins, so not your friend, but signed by the Patriots, or at least I think they're expected to sign him. I don't know if that was brought on by anything. They cut or released with an injury settlement uh, Bruce Ellington yesterday. And they got rid of Jacob Hollister earlier in the offseason. Right. That was kind of weird, I guess, in hindsight. Uh, but anyway, they're, they're, uh, they're a weird situation. I doubt it's Watson who will do anything. Uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins is there, and I know he hasn't done anything, but he's also been hurt a lot, so it would not be surprising at all to me if the Patriots – got something useful out of him so uh bigger news as far as uh nfl fantasy stuff idp leagues i guess you got to watch out no telvin smith this year i don't yeah. know if the jaguars have any plan i can't imagine they particularly foresaw this Did i didn't you read the post uh it sounds like he's basically like trying to take a hiatus or something yeah that, that was interesting because you know sometimes like the, the these sort of things can be especially with like this sort of strange kind of volatile nature going around with the jags right now you almost figured like there's something contractual or or some other sort of dispute with the front office but yeah it, it does feel like telvin smith kind of just is like you said taking a hiatus more than just having like this big tiff with with the front office necessarily i, I honestly haven't looked at it at all so i all i can do is irresponsibly read into it which i love to do oh, absolutely I'm gonna, i'll do it right now i rem, you know remember before the draft tom coughlin had, or maybe it was after no it was before the draft tom coughlin was whining about how telvin smith wasn't at the voluntary workouts or something like that yeah, and the voluntarily mandatory type of thing yeah no mandatory if he was going to go on a hiatus it would be weird if he only made that decision today or after the draft in any case and You'd think if he made the decision before the draft, Tom Coughlin would have thought, like, ah, got to get me a linebacker. But they didn't. They drafted a, an edge rusher with Josh Allen and now Leon Jacobs, who was technically their third linebacker and therefore like a de facto 4-3 starter last year. He didn't actually really play. It was just like, you know, Jack and Telvin are out there in the nickel a whole lot, and that was pretty much how it worked. And yeah. no Telvin now. And uh, Miles Jack is very good, but and, and Jacobs is very athletic, if nothing else, but got a concern there on a team that has a fair number of reasons to worry about things yeah man things are things are kind of a mess down in jacksonville right at least they got their quarterback to say it they got their quarterback uh but yeah lemon sponsored nick Foles. what is that sponsoring him uh lululemon the uh yoga pant company oh why is he uh i don't know they just i guess they're forging on oh they're actually doing that yeah oh okay i think like i I thought you were making a day or two before he actually signed with the jags i thought you were making that up because he got you know owned for i don't know wearing yoga pants someplace (laughs) i steered right into it man. i didn't know that the the reference yoga pants are paid for bad yeah uh he's so lucky he gets those for free probably <laughs> lifetime supply maybe even probably um but yeah uh, good to be nick Foles. you get those pants and uh but aside from that things might be bad in jacksonville there's also bad news or i find it to be bad news because uh, he's such a good player and seems to be one of the 
kind of smarter, more, uh, you know, conscientious players in the league. Yeah, but it feels Doug like Baldwin, we didn't get to say our proper goodbye, almost. You know, yeah, it's, last year was strange, and then it's bull over crap. Now. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, it's not like I want the Seahawks to win particularly, but I like you know Doug Baldwin is one of those players who I can be like, well, at least it was him. Yeah, um, but. Seahawks got rid of him they're saying failed physical and you have to wonder or I have to anyway is this because he was playing last year for I don't know how many weeks they never since all the teams by now just make a joke out of the the whole NFL reporting protocol for injuries no one really knows what he played through we know he had a bad knee in training camp that he played on for some reason then we know he also played on I think a groin issue mm-hmm. um, or maybe a different like maybe like a variation and, and a, a progression of the knee issue I don't know but he didn't practice much last year and you could tell he wasn't himself when he was out there but he was still pretty good because he was always more just skilled than you know physically talented yeah that was always his game yeah right so he was he was good though his whole career I mean he went undrafted out of Stanford but he was a good player there I don't think he was the product of any system or anything he was just really good and uh i don't know what happens with that now i assume his career is done and it's it's just kind of frustrating because it's like even even for seattle that kind of, that's just that kind of short-sightedness is difficult to understand it's like he's 30 31 something like that i know pete carroll wants to win in 2018 whatever they made the playoffs they probably think it was all worth it but it, if if this is why he's retiring then it wasn't worth it at all like he should have just played tyler lockett in the slot which is what they're gonna have to do now and it'll be interesting to see where his adp goes as a result of this because i thought he was a pretty nice bargain uh he would generally go in i want to say the seventh or eighth rounds and that was even before the baldwin thing took the turn that it did in the past couple weeks or whenever adam schefter if it was during the draft or whenever when he had that yeah, uh, I, think, I think it was like probably like day two of the draft that okay. came out so yeah that was i thought lockett was a totally good pick back then in best ball drafts and now he's going to be far and away the wide receiver one projection on that team and now we're in the position where we either have to like decrease russell wilson's efficiency projections or we have to kind of just basically give baldwin's production to lock it okay because you know looking at the way that, that seattle kind of ran things uh last year baldwin played significantly less snap like 200 less snaps than Lockett but uh in the slot they were about equal uh Lockett 510 snaps out of the slot Baldwin Mm -hmm. 498 uh Lockett split outside a bit more uh 363 snaps outside uh versus uh Baldwin 203 so mostly that this just kind of it feels like Lockett is gonna have to be not like tethered exclusively to the slot but i i mean someone's gonna have to make up those slot snaps and you know dk metcalf isn't really it's not him and more that. and it's not david moore david moore only ran 97 of his snaps uh out of the slot whereas 518 of his uh other ones went to the outside right so i i actually got that wrong on the adp for Lockett. i guess it was more in the fifth round range but in any case oh, wow. uh yeah why the reason it seemed in the back of my head just recalling it to be a good bargain is because the receivers in that range are, are so good in my opinion like I, i'm getting a ton of shares of tyler lockett after the tyree kill thing came out i started getting sammy Watkins. i wouldn't have normally he was more like a i don't know eighth or something rounder um no tyree hill's not going to play in my opinion so if if he's not Watkins, 
I will gladly take, especially in best ball when I don't have to guess when he'll be available or when he'll have his biggest games. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's like Lockett, Watkins, Tyler Boyd, Calvin Ridley, Mike Williams in that range. And it's I want to pick them because if I'm not picking them, it's guys like Eric Ebron and a bunch of running backs that I want nothing to do with. So yeah, I thought he was a good I thought he would, Lockett was a good price there. And it has to go up now. And I'm, I'm wondering just like how high it could go because I can imagine it going into the top 40 kind of alongside Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, Kenny Galladay, that kind of range because that's where we would take Baldwin, right? Yeah. So uh, Lockett's a little bit different of a game. He is fast. It looks like, you know, knock on wood, he's miraculously gotten past that compound fracture that he had. I don't remember a guy coming back uh 100 from one of those I mean, but he's, i don't remember anyone posting a season like he, what he did last year period <laughs> yeah and uh that kind of hyper efficiency isn't main isn't sustainable but sure. it's fine because he's gonna get like i don't know how many more targets like he was not targeted much last year at all or ever like really 80 i think wasn't it or yeah somewhere he's, in that range? he's just been a lock it in 10 yards per target kind of guy his whole career and he doesn't do the same things as baldwin like baldwin's a really crafty route runner and he's he's got a lot of you know uh like ball skills basically and Lockett's more speed so it'll be interesting to see if if that speed can play up with the same tasks as Baldwin or if he'll need to be handled a little differently I'm not worried about the results either way it's like the the what is going to be the same the how might change a little bit but that doesn't really matter to us okay so I wanted to you know kind of use this as a jumping off point with, with Baldwin leaving because Obviously, the the first thing that that come to people's that comes to people's mind outside of what what's going to happen with Lockett is DK Metcalf and yeah. how his role uh, changes one way or the other. Because you know the the things that you're mentioning about like the, Baldwin and Metcalf in terms of like their play style and, and how their paths to get here could not be more different. You know, Baldwin, you know, had to get by on, on being that crafty technician and, and having that toughness, whereas Metcalf is just, you know, sort of physically like a freaking unicorn, you know? So, yeah. And, he, and he's a second round pick. So obviously he's got son a, of a an NFL bit. player. Yeah. So where, where, you know, where does this all go? How does he fit into this equation? How is it different now versus, you know, what it was three days ago or two hours ago when Baldwin wasn't retired? I feel like it's, I don't know, it's this weird thing because I was kind of assuming the worst for Baldwin ever since that Schefter report and I didn't yeah. I didn't quite spring toward Metcalf at his current market price, but um, this thing that I wrote up on the website, uh, I'll, I posted yesterday uh, 12 rookies who saw their ADPs in best ball drafts go up following the real NFL draft. I'm going to be posting a veteran component of, of that series tomorrow, uh, in which case there are a couple guys who rose, but mostly the veterans were falling. Yeah, I'll pick your brain on that one a little bit later on. Yeah, a lot of the rookies going up, and Metcalf included. I thought I was so disappointed with that landing spot, but especially now with Baldwin not there, it's like, oh, maybe I actually should have never had my faith waiver at all because this could just quite simply result in DK Metcalf as a rookie playing something like 800 snaps in a Russell Wilson offense. And I don't care what limitations DK Metcalf has. There's there's much worse receivers than whatever issues he might have in some of his worst case scenarios. Oh, he can't run slants. Don't make him run slants. He's right. He, it's not his bag. That's a actually that's a weird criticism. He can probably run slants. It's just like he probably can't do. I'm just more bait, like a general like oh, just oh no, short I've, area stuff. I've seen that sort of sentiment. If I've seen people try to just 
like it's already knocking him to say things like well he can't run curls he can't run out routes they like they have to say like uh he can't run in a straight line either actually uh he's the <laughs> fattest receiver ever if you think about it uh the dk metcalf critics can rarely be measured with what they say they have to get they, it always results in them just like having a fit about him ever being hyped in the first place because they're like but the, the models um he doesn't fit the models this is a travesty that he gets all this attention when he's he's just a you know workout warrior or whatever uh the film guys also don't like him it's like the the, the data people don't like him the, the film people don't like him the de- it's the devi like weirdos uh, they're the they're like the only ones that really like stood by him yeah it's thick and thin it's the like ones that knew about him when he was in high school it's morons like me who are just like no he is really big and fast and uh you know he's you can't you can't look like to and run like that and and then just be useless like i refuse to believe that even if he's one dimensional that one dimension will be something that the defenses think about every single play and russell wilson you can't really ask you can't ask for a better uh, quarterback fit for him because russell's got to imagine the play action possibilities with dk metcalf and like the rushing threat that russell wilson poses it's it's not gonna be run game in general right it's not like gonna be a staple play for them it's not something that they can you know third and seven in a high pressure situation yeah that might not work but you might not end up in the third and seven pressure situation if you run this play enough times earlier in the game uh so yeah i think the schottenheimer concern is there dk metcalf's kind of linear skill set is a concern uh david moore i think is actually pretty good yeah how does he how does he fit in this because like i said you know he he played 518 outside snaps last year yeah he had really low catch rate but really good per target like yardage and touchdown percentages and he's an explosive dense athlete like he's not exactly a burner or anything but he's like one of those guys who's heavy for his build but jumps really high for his build i think he had like a high uh, or a long broad jump number something like that but he played at like central oklahoma state or some nonsense yeah we have it we have it listed as east central college okay powerhouse yeah so uh it's i guess they they move they're like a nomadic school is why we couldn't they just go to a different state in the <laughs> but, central but it's, al- it's always in the direction of east and central at the yeah someplace time. in that sector of it the given state in question they settle down and they play football and uh so he's not polished necessarily but he might be by now he's going into his third year with the team i think and i mean he's real competition uh what we know is that or what i think we can take for granted is that in three receiver sets lockett will generally be the slot guy metcalf and Moore will be outside but yep. that's an offense that runs a lot of one and two receiver sets so uh the question of who the actual lead outside receiver is is the important one and as much as um as much as i'm a metcalf truther and i'm, I'm basically in on his emerging new price which is right around the 10th the, the ninth 10th round turn it's a lot to think about there i also got a few shares of his before the draft so i might i might look more toward uh more just to kind of hedge there a bit it's like one of those two is going to do something yeah yeah exactly but do you you know now with the with you know because you do kind of have some trepidation about going going in fully on Metcalf until the Baldwin question was answered. Now that it is answered, are you buying at that at that you know one twenty one ADP? The thing is, I might not have the chance anymore. Yeah, like the price might go up with this, so it, it might be kind of like a 
a moot exercise or whatever. But, it, you know, for a few days there, I, I think the people who did lock in that 120 overall sort of price on him, at the, at the very least, it was very justifiable, even if it doesn't work out. It was probably a smart move. Okay, so moving on uh, from Seattle, unless you had any any last lingering thoughts, I wanted to I guess Gary it. Jennings could also, he's like a dark horse, but he could do it because he's the guy who could be like the ba- the top backup to lock it in the slot and like the kind of co-backup at the outside. So he could kind of block Metcalf or more, I guess. Uh, on that basis but he he came into the many uh, the rookie camps hurt for some reason i can't remember what it was so i think i think jennings is good but again i am a metcalf truther so i give him the advantage but uh, you're a bit of a jennings truther too though yeah but it's i i think he could be um i wish i had a good comparison i don't off the top of my head but metcalf I'm sorry. I, I remember Terrell Owens. I I remember how fast he was at 6'3", 230 or so, and he wasn't exactly polished when he came into the league. He was he was kind of known for being wild when he first got to the 49ers, uh, and he always was a guy who like dropped passes. And he was a guy too who couldn't run every route. I remember people complained about how he would drop passes on the sideline and stuff like that. And it's like so just throw him the ball and watch him just stomp on people or like throw it deep and watch him just take the ball because he's too big and Didn't fast he have a bunch of drops in that famous packers game like he, before he made that catch at the end oh yeah he did he did but yeah he was a guy he was like the ultimate original case for like shut up about the drop yeah. passes you <laughs> idiots um because it was just yeah people people who complain about like uneven wide receiver aesthetics like oh i don't want anything to do with a receiver who can't run a nice curl route a nice seven yard out and tap his toes for the so you get the second and three and like i want to kill the defense every play if i can hell yeah yeah it's like go give me the dk metcalf i'll figure something out i'm not worried about it but i am worried about schottenheimer i'm worried about pete carroll i guess uh, but it's interesting getting rid of frank clark could make that defense just kind of not good and Jimmy Garoppolo's back, so 49ers are going to score more points than they did. I mean, the the Cardinals, whether it, it, it like pays off on the scoreboard, they're still going to be annoying to deal with. It and could then, of be course, a, the Rams. Yeah, it could be a surprisingly shootout prone division, despite like some of the defensive reputations of the teams. Yeah, that's uh, going to be awesome. So yeah, I, uh, I don't. Th- we'll see where the Metcalf market goes. I might have to look into even paying a higher price, but I'm, I'm probably going to hold off a bit for now. But uh, that rookies article that I did post bunch of guys going way up josh jacobs jumped from like the uh fifth fourth fifth round kind of turn up to the uh, third fourth round turn he, i think he could go higher yet uh which dovetails like i guess i'll mention it now since we're on the subject of the raiders but i think jalen richard is a screaming bargain in best ball drafts right now he's actually one of the veterans that i'm writing up who fell from the draft uh like the april adp to the the post-draft ADP and even after the Isaiah Kroll Achilles tendon announcement came out he's still lower than he was before the draft which makes no sense um I think he could push for like 42 45 percent of yeah, Oakland snaps say, do they do they think that Josh Jacobs just gets like 100 percent of the running back snaps like that that would be the assumption as to why Richard like didn't rise at all right and I'm not even uh my optimism for Richard is not based on like fading Jacobs like in my upper range projections for the two it could i can see jacobs finishing the year with about uh 1600 1800 yards from scrimmage maybe six to eight touchdowns basically finishing as like the running back eight to ten or something yeah. and then richard at least in ppr because it is ppr where he he in standard i don't know if he has much utility but half point ppr we're also talking a little different because he could catch something like 70 passes this year uh he could he could catch 70 passes 
and go for 100 carries. He's the kind of guy who does like four and a half, five yards a carry, uh, about eight and a half yards a catch. And I think he's just really convincingly good. Like he's always an explosive open field runner at Southern Mississippi too. So uh, he's falling to, um, trying to see where I got his new, his, his new ADP on the best ball tens, which are the formerly MFL tens, uh, was about 170 overall, which is, I guess, the 13th, 14th round kind of turn. And by then, for the running backs, you're talking like utter trash, like just garbage. <laughs> uh, you got a lot of guys who have to hit upside scenarios to give you anything, and their upside scenarios, too, are not even any good. You're basically picking through like the what what would have equated to last year, like the Kalen Bellages of the world. Yeah, and it's, it's like Richard admittedly doesn't have a high ceiling and that is something you want in best ball is a high ceiling but as much as as much as that's true at this price i'm willing to lock in that ppr floor that he provides me which is like he can he could be um let me let me get this number here i had i had some calculation written up um but based on like my my highest end projection for richard and ppr he could score more than uh, guys like Jordan Howard and Lamar Miller last year and just a shade below Chris Carson so it may be a system you know exploitation thing it's it's you know better in fantasy than real life kind of situation perhaps but falling to the 13th 14th round that makes no sense for Richard and I'm I don't think that I need to be pessimistic about Jacobs to feel that way I have a gross Raiders admission to uh to get off my chest you've been a fan of theirs all this time uh, <laughs> secretly but starting with the the Bruce Campbell pick <laughs> or the Darius Hayward Bay one I guess it would be that's yeah. that is correct yeah it's like oh yeah he's obviously much better than Michael Crabtree but um you know I I did the, the rookies article for for the Rotowire magazine uh and I, I finished that up uh earlier this week and and in doing so another guy that you know, I'm not a huge fan of, but I feel like it just makes all the sense in the world is Hunter Renfro. And I'm, yeah. just, I'm sorry, like in PPR, <laughs> like, you know, I, I looked at it and, you know, he's not going to be. I just think he's actually all. really good. <laughs> I, mm. It's not the opportunity for me. It's I just think he's he's dominator. Just, yeah, I think the word is dom- dominant is the word dominant. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, just visions of Tom Brady's combine picture come to come to mind and just peak. This is the ideal male form you may not like it but peak ideal man. yeah this is peak uh, performance but i mean you know Derek carr i looked at it of quarterbacks with at least 300 attempts last year he had the lowest ypa of, mm-hmm. of anybody so he's going to be looking short and obviously renfro does that and he does do i mean the testing isn't great as you as you can imagine but the dude there's a lot applicable yeah yeah and it's like brown and williams are going to play he's outside like what i wanted ryan switzer to be no 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 we ryan switzer still is still, still good okay. yeah i mean he's better than renfro in my opinion man switzer lit up the acc he was good there uh but anyway i do agree that because he's only going to play in the slot renfro has the skill set necessary and to do what's asked of him with car there's work. that and uh they're not going to have it they shouldn't have a good defense anyway uh particularly if if Mecole is as good as we think he is then the division should be relatively high scoring denver being the holdout on that one right. i guess um but yeah it's basically just ryan grant and jalen marshall that are otherwise competing for that third receiver role and I, I, i'm a darren waller truther but the I loss like the loss of jared cook and seth roberts being offset by waller and those three receivers that's a deficit i think anyway and that's that's if i'm being kind of generous to waller so 
as much as I think that Renfro will have like a very specialized role that he's very efficient in, but I can't really imagine it taking off. I can't imagine like the, the ceiling scenario. I can though. A little PPR, like a little, just a little wide receiver three PPR. Oh yeah. I, I think like. he'll be on the, the, especially on DraftKings and DFS. He'll be like a, if, if the Raiders are projected to be in a high scoring game, it's like better thing about Renfro. Cause he, if he plays 30 snaps, he might get six targets or something like that. And he might catch five of them cause they're all, five yards downfield yep. <laughs> but um and for what it's worth better or at least as good of a prospect as adam humphreys coming out of clemson like he was he was just crap at clemson and i think he's basically a product of the system even now but uh, renfro is better than that but i'm sooner betting on jacobs and richard picking up that slack from cook and uh seth uh whatever is roberts leaving okay um but yeah i think i think that jacobs is, is pretty interesting he's probably not like the kind of player that i'm going to be willing to pay up for because he'll have his like hyper optimus in every draft but admittedly if you picked him before the draft you got a really good bargain there for sure um let's get into another running back uh let's go to buffalo here so they've kind of had an interesting offseason. Obviously, they, they signed Frank Gore uh, and TJ Yeldon, and uh, LaShawn McCoy went out and spoiled the Avengers. So, you know, you got to gotta wonder if, if the front office is Lifetime suspension. Him. Yeah, I mean, Matthew Barry was, like, super mad at him about that. He was in that movie. Um, but <laughs> so, so Devin Singletary uh, gets picked up by, by the Bills. Uh, we were big fans of his, and then the combine happened, and it wasn't quite what we were, what we were hoping for. But as I was kind of doing my, my Devin Singletary write-up for the magazine, it's like if Buffalo is kind of entering that win-now window and McCoy is still averaging 3.2 yards per carry and Singletary can give them better production, which I believe that he's definitely yeah. better than a 3.2 yards per carry guy. I'm sick of that. Then why wouldn't he start to start to jump over and, and start to like have a legitimate role in this offense? So Yeldon is still there, and that creeps me out maybe i'm being paranoid about him because obviously he's not good or anything but i don't know he was really good at alabama played a lot as a true freshman tested fine and stuff he, he's at least good as a pass catcher yeah um, singletary surprisingly kind of weak in that in that yeah they pull him a lot for kareth white and i think it's like a don't know rather than can't kind of thing okay. but we know yeldon can do it gore didn't really do that a whole lot lately but he can probably do that it's kind of interesting i i mean gore was at miami rather than florida atlantic but he also was one of these guys who was insanely productive and if you were doing like a tools-based scouting assessment of him you say like this guy doesn't have anything to work with like he's he's running like a 466 at 59 205 or whatever he did but uh insanely productive singletary could be one of those outliers too who's just has so much skill that it doesn't matter that he doesn't profile athletically a certain way the, the size the people that are you know completely selling him off because of the size he he's dense though you know how many uh red zone rushing touchdowns he had in the last two seasons no he had 66 total three years of those okay red zone so it's (laughs) like you know you're getting in you know it's not like he could be their goal line back yeah i actually hate the uh the nfl the the football coach truism like you need a huge guy to be your goal line running back that's so stupid you need someone who hits the hole as fast as possible and has a leverage advantage when they do it so they can drive through and he's got it yeah so he's going about 130 and a half overall on best ball tens after the draft which is about a 25 is in that neighborhood that's a that's a 24 point uh 24 slot jump by the way um so yeah it's nice bargain for the people who got him before but i don't like really the new price i feel like yeldon being there is is a just annoying and like that's even if 
we're assuming that McCoy is gone. So like if McCoy somehow stays there, it's like, oh, that's just disgusting. I want nothing to do. But I think they will cut or trade him. In any case, yeah, Ronald like Singletary is as, as an in-season guy more than yeah. pick 130. If someone gets hurt, then it's like, okay, I'm I'm probably spending a lot of fab in that yeah, case. I see I see a lot of the people that pick him at 130 cutting him after week 3 and then me profiting in week 6. To be to be clear, this is a best ball ADP that I'm looking at. I don't know if there's any like season long drafts being done yet, but I, I don't know. Yeah, that might might be even harder I mean, to though? it might be even harder to get him in read uh, harder to use him in redraft like maybe he'll go a little later because people are like oh i don't know what the hell's going on here whereas with the best ball they're like oh, who cares no one knows anyway yep uh but it, like matt breed is going a few picks earlier i definitely would prefer breed i'm writing him up incidentally he's also falling after the draft and i have no idea why it's like one of those things where some something just arbitrary starts developing in the market and i definitely plan to buy him at, at, at that kind of price because i think he's i would make him the favorite to lead that backfield in production I'd, i mean jarek mckinnon is only theoretically what matt breeda already did last year it's like breeda did what they hoped mckinnon would be true um and you know got hurt from overworking but they're not going to overwork him this time but he still probably leads them or at least there's no reason to have him third out of those three they should probably be about the same wherever they go um, what, what do you say to the tevin coleman people I mean, I am one of the Tevin Coleman people. The issue with him is his price is more like the seventh round. Oh. And so if they were both in the 10th, that would make a lot more sense to me. Or if they, uh, I guess the way I see it is it should be like Breida and Coleman in the 8th and ninth kind of range and McKinnon in the 10th, 11th, something like that. Uh, it was mostly backward before this. It was like McKinnon in the 5th, 6th, Coleman in the 6th, 7th, Breida in the, I guess this would be about the 10th. And he's falling into like the 11th and 12th sometimes. So I'm going after that. Otherwise, though, the options are admittedly slim. You're down to like Deontay Foreman. I'm Not very much agnostic there. It's like if something happens, it's just because of the opportunity, and I don't. I'm not really getting my hopes up exactly. That line is still bad, really. Bad. Yeah, I don't want. I don't really want to pick him. Uh, Mike Davis, who I'll also be writing up as a faller t- tomorrow. He's falling way too far, and that, that I guess this is a good chance to go back to the, the rookie part, too. David Montgomery, who, by the way, only went the pick before Devin Singletary, and notice how differently people talk about those two. They're talking about, oh, they traded up for David Montgomery. This is it. They're, they're going all in on David Montgomery in Chicago. No one's saying Buffalo's going all in on Devin Singletary, even though he was the very next pick. Huh. Um, I'm, I'm splitting the difference. Like I, I think both teams plan to use both players, but I don't see any reason to think it's going to be you know a commitment sort of thing especially not in their rookie years like i was like i'm mentioning in this article that i'm about to post tomorrow mike davis is getting paid more money uh aggregate and guaranteed than damian williams in kansas city so i'm not a unless unless you're panicking like very much off the board kind of deal with damian williams i don't see how we can rationalize mike davis's market right now and after the draft looks like he's going about 157th so 13th 14th round for the guy who could very plausibly play ahead of david montgomery all year that's stupid i mean david montgomery's going about on the fifth sixth round turn now i feel like there's a there's a way to call him the favorite without making like that aggressive of a calculation like if 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 david montgomery is worth a fifth sixth round pick then we're basically assuming he will just kick davis out of the way day one and just 100 percent get all the carries that left by jordan howard yeah and the, like people are people are pricing montgomery and, and theorizing on him as if the entire backfield is up for grabs like Tariq cohen is not going anywhere where if you, anything they're going to use him more 
Right. And he's not, it's, he's not going anywhere. So there's a pretty slim margin of error, I think, for Montgomery. It's like, especially at that fifth, sixth round sort of price, you have to take him over guys like Calvin Ridley, Mike Williams, Tyler Lockett. And there's not, I'm not considering that. I'm not going to do that even one time out of a hundred. Uh, I'm just hedging between those different receivers and passing on the running back every time. And I'd rather have Lamar Miller a little later and especially Latavius Murray a little bit later. Um, so yeah, in any case, that doesn't make any sense. I think it should be more like David Montgomery in the, I don't know, maybe seventh, eighth, Mike Davis in kind of like the 11th, 12th sort of thing. But the pricing, the emerging market for Montgomery and Davis are saying that people have completely written off the possibility of Davis, even so much as getting like 200 snaps this year. And that'd be weird if he didn't, because he's pretty decent. And the things that Montgomery's supposed to be good at, so is Davis. And he's you know nfl experienced over him too yeah he's also quicker and more explosive uh his he even though he has like a four five six forty that we don't care about davis has a plus 10 yard split and uh, above average agility for a guy with a pretty dense build so i think davis can play I, I don't really worry about him uh just being like a total dud but people are drafting montgomery at a price that doesn't leave any room for something to go slightly wrong and i think there's quite a few things that could go wrong clearly yeah i mean the yeah the depth around him and and again just there are factors there where this could go i mean yeah spending a top 60 pick on a guy that that could just fall out of favor like that it would be you know disastrous to your team i'm even less a fan of miles sanders at his new 69.07 i'm I'm gonna have zero shares of of miles sanders no interest shares of of jjr sega whiteside i love both the players uh or Sega Whiteside more so, but I like Sanders plenty. It's just I couldn't have thought of a, of a worse landing spot for his fantasy value. I can imagine one. him having like 400 yards this year. Yeah. I don't yeah. think people are thinking that one through at all. No, so that that's like a shiny new toy thing, and uh, people are going to get burned by that. Um, a guy that, you know, I've kind of recently talked myself into, and it's sort of against what I wanted because I, I love Dalvin Cook so much, but you wrote up Alexander Madison, and I did, I did too in, in the rookies article. Kind of see like I, I in best ball player, for sure. But Matt Asiata scored three touchdowns in one game once. So it's a fact. That's a real thing that happens. So Madison can definitely do that. And you know, for for as much as we like Dalvin Cook, he just hasn't shown to be durable. And you know, in the games that he does play, it's not like he's always taking on you know twenty twenty five carries or anything. Three out of the past four years, he's had kind of like season derailing durability issues. Yeah. So in Madison, you know, over the course of his time at Boise State took on massive workloads, and never got hurt. Yeah. And he's the kind of guy who can just be available a lot. Like he's not the kind of guy you really need to pull for a lot of situations. I don't think he's particularly good. I think Mike no. Boone is better, but they spent a third rounder on him and they they're already feeling the heat from the Kirk Cousins signing. They need to justify the mo- the decisions that they've made or else people are, you know, they're going to get fired. So uh, if they have Madison being a healthy scratch every week for Mike Boone, I I don't know if that's heat they can really afford, especially if that, especially if Kirk Cousins doesn't, you know, really turn it around. I think that line is gonna. I thought that the Vikings killed the killed that portion of the draft. They've addressed the line really well, and obviously having a bunch of rookie starters on your line isn't the most ideal thing in the world. It's better than having CFL players though, like last exactly. year. Exactly. So, so, so I think that they're going to be, you know. Cousins is going to be dropping back behind a line that's not going to get him killed every time. And, you know, Madison and Cook are going to be running behind a line that, 
you know, creates a lot more like yards right off the line of scrimmage for him. So yeah, I'm not, I don't think Madison's particularly good, but I think at his price, which is in like the 14th, 15th, 16th round range, like easy, easy call to take him in best ball. Uh, A few guys that I'm definitely high on Daryl Henderson, who it's like the more I think about it, the higher on him that I get, I really think McVeigh could just turn him into his own Kamara uh, surprisingly early and if people are so skeptical as Todd Gurley as I've seen some people say then they need to be a lot higher on Daryl Henderson too it's like it's one thing to kind of like put out the sentiment of like I, I bet Gurley's gonna fall off and if he does you're gonna hear it again from me and it's another to kind of like prove that you're really willing to you know bet on it yeah exactly and uh i'm I, I view it as both not one or the other I'm, i don't view henderson as needing misfortune to Gurley to pay off because he's going about the hundredth pick as on average still falling into past the the tenth round in a couple cases um so i'll be buying if he's if he's falling into the ninth tenth i'm gonna keep buying i i want to hammer that until it gets to about the same price as david montgomery because i would easily prefer henderson in redraft uh better running back better offense he's going to be utilized uh, in a more generous sort of uh, role it, like, whereas montgomery needs the volume to offset what could be kind of a slogging task it's like henderson could just you know it's the greatest show on turf pretty much so yeah, he, uh, yeah the the stats that we were talking about yesterday like uh, you know him running off tackle is just you know his efficiency at memphis in that and he has a, un- insane like, he has under acknowledged oh sorry i was gonna say he has under acknowledged potential as a pass catcher too basically True. and I, I bet mcveigh finds it day one uh, so that that I'm high on, uh, especially with Bruce Ellington being cut by the Patriots and kill Harry seems pretty much locked in like unless they trade for a receiver which could happen that's something they've been pretty aggressive about for the past few months but uh they ended up spending a first rounder on Harry so maybe that's what they settled for and if they're settling for him it's like Julian Edelman doesn't play 16 games a year very often Philip Dorsett might be okay but it's like he's at very worst their third pass catcher aside from James White and there's room for more I think Harry's pretty good, and he's going to be able to contribute from a variety of looks. I don't think Demarius Thomas plays. I don't think any of the other receivers that they have on their roster are worth paying attention to at all. So around the uh, 103rd pick, that might go up a bit. Uh, Harry is worth buying there, I think, for sure. Uh, even with you taking Mecole in the seventh round of that post-draft uh, on the, on the Sirius XM. Making the splash, baby even with you taking him at the in this set the the curve by the way 75th uh that is still only a 133 overall adp for hardman after the draft so i'll buy that every time if it's there i i I guess i just have to watch out for your username and and then i can kind of put the rest on autopilot but (laughs) in this draft that i'm doing right now i very much intend to get hardman at uh my ninth or tenth round pick I, uh, people just aren't thinking straight about it like I, you need to swear off Mahomes and not just like it's not bold to say I won't pick him in the third round I need to hear you say you won't take him in the sixth round or I need to hear you say Demarcus Robinson's going to have 1300 yards this year <laughs> uh, you can't have it all these different ways it just doesn't add up no. uh, so I'll keep buying me Cole I'm going to keep buying Kyler Murray who rose from about 160 to 142 I think with the kind of usage that he has and particularly in best ball where again you don't need to make the right prediction week to week i just don't see much risk with him actually and if i can get him uh lamar jackson and Derek carr as kind of like my uh 12th 13th 15th round picks that's the way i want to play it if i'm going cheap quarterback i don't always go cheap quarterback sometimes people wait on quarterback so long you gotta you gotta take baker or 
Deshaun Watson so they can't just get this awesome bargains. And then how is this for a surprise twist? I'm very low on TJ Hawkinson for redraft. I basically have no interest at his new 146th uh, ADP. I don't don't like it either. Like uh, I looked into it. Detroit, like other than Miami and and one other team, it's escaping me. Had like sixty, like the the third lowest in the league uh, tight end targets. And obviously, spending a, a pick number eight on on Hawkinson is a signal that the Lions are going to be trying to get yeah the, the the tight end more involved in the passing game. And then uh, going out and getting Jesse James also, you know, kind of uh, strengthens that argument. But at the same time. How much are they really realistically going to flip the script on that on this offense to just kind of like jam in as many tight end targets as they can when their offense functioned last year with again sixty four total targets allotted to the tight ends? Yeah, so even after the Golden Tate trade, taking that per game average, which is about eighty six, eighty seven snaps for tight ends, that's about thirteen hundred eighty five on the year. You got to project like 200 to 300 for the just scrubs, the guys who show up because someone else got hurt and go back to the practice squad, the whoever, Hakeem Valles. This year, I guess it's going to be one of Isaac Nauta, Logan Thomas, Donald Parham, Michael Roberts. Those guys will combine for probably 200 to 300 snaps. So you'll probably have 1,000 or 1,100 to go between James and TJ Hawkinson, who's like just turned 22. Uh, Jesse James is not like a long-term commitment to that team, but they gave him $10.5 million guaranteed on a four-year $22.6 million deal. So I think the max snap count for Hawkinson this year is something like six twenty-five, which just does not cut it at his emerging price, which could go higher yet because he's going to keep getting hype. I mean, top yeah. 10 pick, Jeremy Shockey. Ugh, you're going to hear that. It's not true, though. Jeremy Shockey uh, only had two touchdowns that rookie year. I looked it up earlier this week. Yeah, it was a weird-looking <laughs> offense, to be sure. Uh, he but was the pioneer of the of the half-sleeve on the forearm. That and the the preseason Marshawn Lynch run that got everybody. You, I guess you might not have. He, he had an insane amount of hype into his rookie year because he had this one play where he just showed so much grit and hustle in the preseason, and people were was like... Was his hair flying around, too? Yeah, and people, people were just like, this is the coolest football player ever. And it's, If you loved Kyle Turley, imagine him being able to play tight end. Yeah, it's oh. like, get, imagine a racist tight end that like everybody <laughs> hates, but he, uh, he like screams every time he catches the ball kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it's amazing how fast that guy burned out. Like, he, he was just, uh, he was like a Madden cover contender kind of player, just absolute superstar but only as a rookie <laughs> and yeah. then it's just gone. Um, but in any case, to go back, uh, if he's, if, if Hawkinson's getting 630 snaps, and again, I consider that like an, a close to best case scenario that basically removes him from uh, tight end one contention. Cause the guys who had fewer snaps than that last year, who were anywhere near good were Chris Herndon and Vance McDonald. And those guys averaged uh, about nine yards a target catching 70% almost of their targets. And it's like, do you, do you really want to bet on that particular level of efficiency from Hawkinson to just be a just be like a 600 yard kind of tight end um i'd actually and, and here's the twist that i never said the twist uh the twist is that i actually like noah fant in tournament payouts for best ball M. night mario over here. yeah Damn. he's so he's a little cheaper is probably why it's easier for me to sell it uh, he's 154 could go up yet we'll see I might not swear off even if he does go up because it's, it's very slim pickings at that point. Oh, bless you. Um, but yeah, Fant, it's it's just one of those things where it's like they have a Kyle Shanahan guy running that offense there now, Scangarello or whatever his name is, and they don't really have good receivers. Like I like Sutton for the long term, and even Hamilton some pro- has some promise, Patrick has some promise, but they basically are a below average group of receivers. And, you know, Scangarello 
can use the same play calls, the, the same tight end stink con- too on that offense. Yeah, it's like Hoyerman is not nearly as concerning as Jesse James. So Fant, I don't think he even needs to be good. I think he can be out there and basically be kind of bad. But Flacco is going to have that checkdown instinct. And uh, Scangarello, if he's using him like the way he does Kittle on some of those more ambitious tight end routes like well he can run like that so it should work i can imagine Fant having at least like a few really big games and by tight end standards i guess i mean you know 80 yards and a touchdown something like that uh and if you can get him as a tight end three particularly in the tournament style best ball payouts i am okay with that okay so before we wrap up here uh i want to hear just a, a preview or two of the guys that you're writing uh for your uh uh best ball diary fallers article that's coming out uh, later this week yeah so i mentioned uh jalen richard mike davis matt Breida. those are definitely some of the biggest names and i plan to make targets out of all of them jack doyle has fallen and i don't know why that would be i think it doesn't have anything to do with paris campbell i think it's just fant and hawkinson going up is probably what caused that but give me doyle uh especially in ppr it's like he played again he played ahead of eric ebron every single time he was physically able to last year uh eric ebron is not as good as jack doyle another follower james washington uh probably not a buyer on that one like i was already fading him on the basis of dante moncrief being there and now i don't think deontay john i think that's just going to be a bad pick i think it's everyone likes to say and it's funny how they don't say it as much these days after taking the preseason so seriously like oh my god no one drafts receivers like the steelers oh my god they're so good at drafting those and uh, it's like no they weren't it was just lucky to have antonio brown in the seventh round that's a one in a million outcome if they if they were that smart they would have took him in i don't know the third something like that not the seventh uh, or sixth or wherever he went Uh, marcus wheaton was nothing uh martavis yeah lima swede martavis bryant certainly didn't work out uh so yeah they 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 get some and we pay attention to the ones that are good only for some reason uh james washington had a terrible rookie year uh deontay johnson i don't think is good but off of james washington I, i don't really know what to do with him either not in best ball do i want i would look into it in dynasty because but i also might wait until this in season because he i think he could have a really disappointing season and uh you could get him for maybe just dirt cheap yeah. by week six or something like that but it's not because i think deontay johnson is good i i don't really i don't think it's gonna work but he's a mac receiver and you know what so is antonio brown yeah he was an outside receiver yeah it's like i saw people say like it's the same workout metrics as antonio brown that's bad Antonio Brown, <laughs> you don't want like a guy who's five foot ten, one hundred and eighty, who's supposed to be an outside receiver, but he runs like a four three with just basement level athleticism testing. Otherwise, like it could all be noise. But there's a whole bunch of other players in that range of the draft who I don't have to worry about those things with, and I've seen them do it, and they tested well. It was not a good pick in my opinion, but I could be wrong. I could definitely be wrong uh with that said uh yeah Derek Carr, ronald jones are the only risers actually notable ones among veterans and uh jordan howard is interesting i'm very skeptical of him he's falling i need him to fall a little further yet before i'll buy but i don't i'm not going to lower him in my rankings because of miles sanders you know i was just low on him all along and if it goes to a certain point i might actually say like actually got it got to start fading your you people's miles sanders enthusiasm i just it's if, if you're gonna pay up i i, I want to like compound your losses with this there you go I, I like that um any other parting shots for we sign off here uh not really sucks that doug baldwin might not be playing anymore uh it does let him should have let him sit pete you gorilla brained idiot but 
Pete took his shirt off that one time when when Metcalf went into the room. Yeah, he probably told him some weird story. Like Doug's like with it, you know, sitting in the ice tub, just like his knees like a pumpkin or something, and Pete's just giving him he's just describing the plot of rambo or something as an inspirational story <laughs> yes. and that kind of like it's he's he did some real like chimp brained solution to all those things and it's like this is where it got us oh my oh i i have nothing to uh to add that that could really top that or, or really make it any better um but if you if you want to catch any you know lingering uh, draft coverage if, if your thirst wasn't quenched by by everything that we churned out uh, at the end of April there our guide Jerry Donabedian also did our day three recap for us uh, he had a great article on the it's titled NFL draft the leftovers uh, you can check out kind of like the the fantasy appeal of some of these undrafted free agents basically you know you're looking for your Philip Lindsay your Gus Edwards your Robert Fosters of the world so that's up on the site if you need some more draft content but for Mario Puig I'm John McKechnie thanks for listening to the Rotowire NFL podcast Podcast.